this episode. A story from history that uh, we can use in the business of today. And the thing about this story is that when I first read it, it struck me to be a terrific analogy for how large programs in organizations could be run. You know, they were working on pretty well an unknown situation. Having trust in the leadership was going to be a big part of it. What's your score? That's well, what I want to know. What is okay, your score? What's, what's my score? So, Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And a lesson from history today, a story from history that uh, we can use in the business of today. And so, Sean, yes, look, something special. I, yeah, well, look, I, I, um, I was really drawn to this uh, story. Um, it's, it's one that most American students would know, right? It's of one of the classic explorations that happened in the opening up of the West of, of the United States of America. And I was first learned about it by reading a book called Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose. Fabulous book. Uh, and it, yeah, it's the story of, of uh, Lewis and Clark uh, heading off from St. Louis and, and heading over and helping to um, you know, do that exploration to open up the, the West of, of the US of A. And, and the thing about this story is that when I first read it, it struck me to be a terrific analogy for how large programs in organizations could be run. So that was, that was my interest in it. And I ended up writing a paper about that with uh, David Drake. And so in the, in the notes below, we'll, um, we'll make a link to that paper and you can have a bit of a read. Well, let me, let me share, you this, share the story with you. So we're taking things back to uh, the fall, the summer or fall of uh, 1802, right? And Thomas Jefferson is third president of the United States. And he is worried about the French more or less setting up shop in the northwest of, of the continent, right? And, and, you know, he's probably got every right to be worried about that. He knows Napoleon's uh, sort of mindset in uh, expansionism. So uh, I can imagine that would be something to be concerned about. And at the same time, I think the British were sort of uh, having a look around as well. So he had those things to uh, contend with. <clears throat> and just another bit of context, uh, the United States had just recently purchased or had the uh, completed the Louisiana Purchase, which is essentially a massive swathe of land down the middle, essentially west of the Mississippi, down the middle of, of the United States, which they purchased from the French. So he's thinking, I really got to get some people over there. And right underneath his nose, he picks the person who's going to lead this expedition. And that's his private secretary, Meriwether Lewis. Now, Meriwether Lewis is not just a, a pen pusher. He's a very clever guy and uh, obviously a very talented writer. Um, but he was also, you know, a, a woodsman and he was a guy who could trap, you know, sort of uh, trap animals and, you know, shoot. And, you know, like he was one of those guys who could do everything, I suppose, in those days. There were a lot of those uh, fellows. And 
and he, but he had the right constitution and the right mindset and great leadership skills. And for those reasons, uh, Jefferson appoints him as the captain of the Discovery Corps, which is what they call the, the, the group that they're going to send uh, on this great expedition. So if you like, this is sort of like both you know, Jefferson and, and, and Lewis get together and, and look, pour over all the maps and the journals and, and they've got access to Jefferson's library at Monticello, right? And at the time, this library was the largest resource of information about, you know, the, the continent of North America. And so, so they have all these resources available to them. And together, they form a plan, you know, of how it might work, what resources would be required, what success would look like, and, you know, and, and, and importantly, at that time, how would they get support from Congress? Uh, you know, so this is kind of like their first journey. It was the journey in the minds of, of two great leaders. Now, once they got their funding, uh, Lewis then uh, appoints a co-leader, a friend of his, William Clark, um, as you know, leaders at this expedition, they go about then selecting uh, the men that are going to uh, join them on, on this journey. And they take everyone down. Essentially, it's a military uh, expedition, right? And so they take everyone down to St. Louis in Missouri, uh, which at that point was the sort of westmost outpost of, of the United States. And while they were there, they gathered up the resources they need. They practiced their skills. Uh, they did all the sort of activities you needed to do to, to prepare for this uh, you know, expedition. And, you know, they knew that, you know, they were working on pretty well an unknown situation. You know, their plans really relied on this partial, you know, partial information and having trust in the leadership was going to be a big part of it. So what Lewis and Clark did is they made sure they engaged all the participants in the decisions that would affect their lives, right? <laughs> Essentially, it was such a smart move, you know, and just getting them to co-create the details of the plan so that they all owned it, right? So that there was, uh, you know, from the get-go, sort of that buy-in on how things were going to operate. And then, of course, the third, so that was the second journey, if you like, that preparation journey. And then the third journey is actually embarking on the trip. And they knew that as they went up the Missouri, they needed to, um, you know, sort of map as they went, right? They didn't know what was going to be around the next corner, if you like. And one of the big surprises for them was just the scale of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, they just couldn't believe the, the size of the peaks. Uh, it, had been, it was nothing like they'd ever seen before. And, and so they had to find a way to get their canoes and all their equipment up and over those peaks, which they eventually did. Um, you know, it was, seemed like a, an impassable barrier, but they managed to, to get past it with a lot of resilience. Um, they were kind of hoping for this almost like a mythological Northwest Passage, right? Which people talk about, you know, trying to find that Northwest Passage, but yeah, it wasn't to be. And, but on the other side of the Rockies, they, you know, sort of put their canoes back into the next river, which is the Columbia River. And that took them all the way to the West Coast and where they could kind of plant the flag and, and uh, you know, start the, you know, the, the community there to sort of, uh, I guess, population of the country, um, 
you know, so, so that America could make the most of that, you know, Louisiana purchase, but also protect them from what was happening with the French and the, and the British. Now, it, it, it must be said, of course, that, you know, the, the, the massive impact this had on the Indigenous uh, population was untold, right, as we all know. So this is not just a, you know, an open exhibition. It was all good. You know, there was, there was a, a downside impact on all this. But um, that was the three journeys that they took. You know, one of the, you know, the leaders in Monticello, kind of working it all out, coming up with the, the broad brush plan, then down in St. Louis and really working out the, uh, the details, yet knowing that they, were not, they didn't know where they were going or didn't know what was going to be around the corners, and then finally doing it and, and mapping along the way. I like this concept of mapping along the way. Um, anyway, Mark, what do you reckon? That's, that's kind of like the, the short, very shortened version uh, of... Uh, Undaunted Courage, which I'm just looking at it now. How many pages is it? Well, it's a 550-page book, so that was a pretty shortened version. It's basically War and Peace then. <laughs> um, so would, the, would that expedition have been classed as a success? Oh, I think so. I think it was hailed as a success, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, they... Essentially, you were able to set up shop in the northwest of, uh, oh, you know, I think around that Seattle area uh, is where they ended up. And, uh, yeah. And, in fact, I've been to, um, you know, the original fort that was built, you know, as not by Lewis and Clark, but by the follow-on military that arrived there. Um, and so, oh, so that, was, that was at their destination, that was the destination. Uh, yeah. So, did Lewis and Clark go back? Like, did the expedition return, or did they just? Yeah, stay yeah, they there? did. Yeah, they did go back. Yeah, they, um, they more. I'm pretty sure. I, I have to check this, but I'm pretty sure they retraced their steps and took a few different uh, routes uh, to learn a little bit more about the the possibilities, and they headed back. So they're away for two and a half years. Oh man. Yeah. And. Uh, and along the way, you know, even the setup, they had to learn to do the mapping. They had to use, learn to use the latest, you know, techniques and, and equipment that they had, you know, bought from uh, Boston. And uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was, it was a big expedition. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I got, I just got questions. Um, <laughs> how many, how many people? How many? How big was the expedition? Look, um, I have a sense of it. I couldn't tell you the exact number, but. It was in the order of twenty to thirty. Oh, okay, okay, not hundreds then. No, um, no, no, right. no. And you know, and it might have been. Yeah, it's it's more around that. Yeah, that twenty to thirty mark. I'm pretty sure. Right. Cool. Yeah. And it might have been smaller than that, but that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, and yeah, it was. I mean, one of the other reasons why um, Lewis was selected is that he had experience in conversing with uh, some of the different uh, native population across, well, probably towards the middle of the country rather than over to the West. But so, you know, he, he had some experience in that area as well. So, and there were some pretty tight little situations they got themselves into where they weren't too sure whether they were going to make it out or not. So as you would expect across something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it. Yeah. 
it wasn't all uh, yeah, being welcomed with open arms and no, you know, no. walking through <laughs> daisy-clad fields. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what do you reckon uh, in this story? I mean, you could probably tell a shorter version of this story. Um, but, you know, I think for me anyway, you sort of have to build enough so that you can understand a little bit of the cause and effect. Uh, you know, why were they doing this? And so that little context setter about what's going on with, you know, the international politics, I suppose. Well, yeah, I know. I guess for me, one of the ways to make that even better was to be to be even clearer about what was at stake um, in terms of what, you know, like, yes, they were, you know, Napoleon, et cetera, but what was at stake? You know, potentially America could only be this bit that was uh, west of uh, the Mississippi. Oh, sorry, east of the Mississippi. Yeah, that's um, right. And, uh, you know, the... The, the west coast you know like from west of the rockies could have been uh, well could have been anyone's yeah exactly well more like most likely the french or the british would have uh, picked that up and <clears throat> yeah so that'd be um, quite so, a different history from then on so was it called the united states of america before no. they did that no 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 right okay no, so sure. it was what was it called then i don't know off the top of my head no I mean, so, so the original what, United the, the, States of America was 13 states, right? Oh, right. Okay. And, so they, was and they were states east of the Mississippi. Yep. So they're the original 13 states. Um, okay. And they were called the United States. Yes. I believe so. Uh, on the east. Right. Of, okay. Uh, right. And that happened after, you know, the 1770s when they had their independence, uh, you know, war, etc. with the British. Yep. Okay, and so um, the fifty, well, I don't know, but they expanded it to forty-eight states. Was it uh, uh, as a result of that? fifty now? Oh, as a result of that, I know. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Alaska and uh, and, and Hawaii are different. Uh, different. Uh, okay, so um, so some of the things I like about it is I really you know, I agree with you about the the similarities with what happens in in organisations. Yes. Yes. Cool with what could happen in organizations, not necessarily with what does happen in organizations. Um, so I really like that. I mean, some of the things that I didn't know, like that, that St. Louis was the, like the westernmost edge of the empire. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I went to the Mississippi. I, I kind of didn't, uh, I didn't get that. Um, I also like the fact that they, that they succeeded. Yeah, a bit different from uh, some of the Australian famous expeditions like Burke and Wills, you know, which was pretty much a cluster. Um, I don't know. I think Burke and Wills uh, did okay. They just happened to not make the last leg. Yeah, they made a bad call right at the end. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the lovely thing about it too and uh, is that these are guys who know intuitively how to deal with complexity, right? That they were they were clear in their mind that they didn't know how this was going to unfold, you know, that they had to prepare for total unpredictability, yep. and and they did so accordingly. Whereas I think a lot of organisations go into these big projects with some assumption that they they can predict the future and they know how it's going to unfold. And they can control the events and, and they can control the project plan and yeah. you know, everything is going to go according to plan. So, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's that, it's, it's there that the difference uh, occurs 
with with business. Yes, you know, yes. Now, where, I mean, we're starting to see in business, you know, the introduction of agile type, you know, methodologies, which brings back that complexity thinking. And uh, but I, I suspect the big projects are still done in the old fashioned way. In many ways, uh, would be my my take on it. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think it's it's a useful analogy at least to get people talking. I reckon what you yeah. could use this for is, you know, even if you wrote it out rather than told it orally, and just you know, it'd be a page or maybe two pages long, and you just did an exercise with a group of people where, okay, here here is what happened with Lewis and Clark. How would we reorganize our project? You know, or what would what sort of insights can we get from this sort of, sort of approach? I think it'd be quite an interesting exercise. Yeah, yeah. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, yeah. So, what do you reckon in terms of you know, any? What would you do if you were to tell this orally? What would you? Um, you know, how would you tackle it? I mean, my my version was sort of. And I felt as I was telling it, I probably told too much. That's that was the sense I had. Yeah, so, yeah for, for, uh, I would have to tell a, a much shorter version of it. Now, I, I think you could tell a much, you know, like you, you can get away with telling a longer version because you know more of the details. But for me, I'll never, I, I, I won't put the effort into learning all of those details. Yeah. And yeah, so right. uh, I might, even, I might, you know, I might talk about Lewis and Clark. I might even, might not even remember their first names. Yes. Um, but uh, I would kind of emphasize that what was at stake. You know, that you know, the United States only consisted of 13 states up to the Mississippi. Yeah. You know, they just they just purchased the Louisiana Purchase, which was the swathe of states from the Mississippi to the Rockies, and then, uh, but nothing. They they knew barely anything about what was over the Rockies, and they didn't certainly didn't control it. And a big risk was that somebody else was going to just waltz in and take it all and take it all. Yeah. Um, so. I might kind of start with that, that, that with a setup that is that brief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I know that's a good, good way of doing it. Um, the, and you know, it, it's funny, you know, cause it's the more, you know, it's sort of like a curse of knowledge problem where you, you want <laughs> yeah, to, where do you, you want to throw you in, you know, these little things and it's a different curse of knowledge that we would talk about normally, but it's this idea of, Oh, you want to add this little sidebar and, Oh, I've always wanted to go to Monticello, for example, and I know about the library there and I, you know, but it's not necessary for this story, right? No. no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, you know, like for me, that, that would be, you know, in a, in a shorter telling would be, they used the most comprehensive information that was available at the time, which wasn't much. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, cool. What about, what about then, uh, how to use this? Like, where you know, where would you tell a story like this? Um, well, uh, the obvious one that we've already covered is is in the you know in any transformation project, you could easily use this as a as a as a metaphor. Um, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. You know, in fact, it, it's in my um in in my story bank. It's 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 tagged as a, a story analogy. You know, mm, okay. one of those analogies yep. that you can just sort of, ah, this is just like that type analogy. Yeah. Yep. If things go wrong in your, in your project, then you could 
you know, kind of tell that as a, uh, as a, um, like, okay, you know, we thought this was going to happen, but we didn't. But you know what? With with Lewis and Clark, they they planned to not know, and so their whole their whole plan was based around, you know, have a few basics in place, but uh, adapt to the circumstances, and maybe that's what we need to do right now. Yeah, and maybe it would be useful to, um, you know, know some of those, you know, setbacks that they had mm. on the way. I mean, the biggest setback was the Rocky Mountains. Um, but to know a bit more detail, you could tell the like you could tell the Rocky Mountain story as a totally, uh, you know, separate separate yeah. anecdote. Yeah, I, I I agree. There's probably I don't know there's probably hundreds of of separate stories within mm. that. Yeah, uh, within yeah, that. This is uh, just that overall. Picture. Yeah, I mean, I do. I I just got this mental picture of them lugging canoes over the Rockies and just thinking, why? Why wouldn't you just get out of the other side and make new ones? Yeah, I always wondered about that. You know, that's you know, why didn't they? But of course, who's who's on the other side? There's no one on the other side to make new ones. Well, yeah, you know, so yeah, that's, that's the problem. Maybe that was one of the skills they could have uh, uh, practiced in uh, in St. Louis. Ah, yeah, that's that's what the blade was. Sure. There would have been plenty of trees to select oh, yeah. from. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I imagine they would have been. You know, they would have been. They would have known how to repair canoes. Yeah, they could be a very handy yeah. sort of fellow, I reckon. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they're the, the main ways in which you would use it. Um, I think it, it could act as a really nice uh, um, way of talking about a project, you know? Yeah. So, you know, using some of the other sort of metaphors in there, like, you know, uh, so we need to remap Okay, so we're at this, we need to remap, you know, we're at a, a fork in the river, you know, that sort of, that sort of language could actually uh, spring up through something like this. Yep. Um, cool. Radio. Hey. What do you reckon, Mark? Would you, would you use it? Would it be useful? What's your score? That's well, what I want to know. What is okay, your score? Okay, what's, what's my score? So my score is five, right? And and the reason is that it's hard to tell and has, you know, like I can only think of a, a, a very small number of applications. So um, not you now, and it's again, it's a it's an awesome story. I'm, I, I'd like to read the book one day. Yeah, um, yeah, totally recommend it. Um, so yeah, five. Five. So, like, when you say five, I'm, I'm I know, reminded I know. of the Citibank story. Yep. Very complex. Uh, yep. That got a good run. So, I'm a simple that. man, Sean. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this a, a seven as an oral story. I mean, I've written about it, but, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, between the time I wrote about it and now, which is, is a good nearly probably a decade, uh, scarily so. Um, I probably haven't told this story that much. So that, that tells you something in itself, doesn't it? Mm. Yep. Yep. Still fascinated with it. Absolutely fascinated with it. But the white paper is definitely worth a read for anyone involved in a uh, transformation project. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm always surprised at how many people uh, still download it and uh, give me feedback that they really enjoyed it. So... Yeah, we'll put it in the notes and people can have a, a link to it. 
So I want you to write a white paper on Burke and Wills next. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that'll be a bit more disastrous. Yes. Fantastic. Anything else we need to share with Oak before we finish up, Mark? No, I think we're uh, I think we're good. We're pretty clear. Okay. Well, let's uh, wrap it up then. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening into Anecdotally Speaking, and of course, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. All right. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio. <laughs>